Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. As is the case every Thursday year-round, it is Twitter Thursday. Um, kind of a strange week here. Senior Bowl week. I've been watching uh, as much coverage as I absolutely can. Well, all the coverage I've watched. Uh, I've talked to a bunch of people uh, from NDT and all those guys that I've been working with now down there. They're having a ball. I'm a little jealous. I wish I was in Mobile. Also reading up all the practice reports I can from across the web. There's a lot of good information out there. So becoming more and more familiar uh, with the draft process. I'm ahead of schedule for my usual uh, draft prep, you know, for uh, January 25th. I have a, more of a handle than I usually do. Much, much work to do, though. Like I said, if this is a if it's a 10-step process, I'm on phase three and a half, something like that. So much more to learn, but getting familiar with more and more names than I usually do at this time. Which leads us... Oh, we're about brought to you by MyBookie. I will tell you more about them in a moment. They've been a great friend of the Locked On Network. But this leaves leads to my the first question here. And like I said, I have a lot of work to do, but these are my early impressions. Eric asked me, your opinion on Maurice Hurst and also Tremaine Edwards. I'll start with Edwards because I'm quite familiar with him because I wrote a reactionary piece for NDT Scouting on potential landing spots for Edwards in the first round. And they were all in the top 20 because I don't think he's going to get out of there. He's really interesting because there aren't many players on the planet like him. Like, do you remember Julian Peterson? came into the league and we'd really never seen anyone like him. Jamie Collins kind of fits this mold too where he's 6'3 plus but he plays off the ball. Anthony Barr kind of fits this description although I think Edwards is a better athlete change of direction player than Barr. But they can lie, they look like 3-4 outside linebackers and they can do that. You know, they can line up on the line of scrimmage and rush the passer. But really, they're off-the-ball players. And in today's NFL, with as much man coverage as people want to play, but they struggle to line up somebody against a tight end, a guy like Edwards, I think, is going to be really coveted and probably a top-10 pick because of it. Plays a run pretty well. Long, athletic, looks like a basketball player. But I think he could line up on the line of scrimmage like a, or, or, or as like a true Sam linebacker, like a K.J. Wright. I think he could be a 3-4 outside linebacker, you know, T.J. Watt, somebody like that, um, and still drop into coverage or come off the edge or really just play off the line of scrimmage like Barr does a lot or Collins does a lot and handle short zones, run with tight ends down the field. Maybe in time he can develop into the guy you match up on Gronk or Kelsey or somebody like that. That's the allure. But in the meantime, he's really good at everything else. Um, his dad was a was a good tight end. Remember Farrell Edmonds, and his brother is in the uh, is going to be in this draft class as well. Those are highly positive things. Just I mean, I've never met the kid, but just on the on paper, been around the game, understand what professionals you know what it takes. He's very very young, and if he's ahead of the curve mentally and in preparation and maturity as a football player because of his family and father. That's a huge positive. So I think he's going to be highly, highly sought after. Maurice Hurst from Michigan is also really intriguing. And you see some people talking about maybe, you know, originally a little while back saying this guy might be a top five, top ten pick. And you can see why. But in some ways he doesn't have 
a real home. You know, like, what exactly is he? Um, that being said, I think that, that matters much less in today's NFL than ever. Like, this guy has to be a parent. You know, he has to be a one technique. He has to be a three technique. You know, you, you're seeing more creative defensive coordinators take Jadavian Clowney and line him up over a guard. You know, no one thought that's what he would do when he came in the league. But it, it's more about getting your best players on the field and matching up against all the different things that the Patriots throw at you or somebody like that. But anyway, I think Hurst is a highly talented guy, undersized by defensive tackle standards. But the beauty of him is from what I've seen and more so what I've read and what I understand and talked to people, he probably right off the bat is going to help you as an interior pass rusher. I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald, you know, but he has, he's in that mold and Atkins or, you know, Gino, those type of guys. And he's a really good and developed pass rusher, particularly with his hands from what I've seen. So day one, when you're in nickel and dime and they're in three receiver sets, he's going to line up over a guard and play a lot of snaps for you as you figure out how to use them. So I think that's pretty awesome and a huge advantage to him, you know, and from there, who knows? Um, I mentioned that we are brought to you by my bookie. Um, bowl season is here. Super Bowl season is here. The college bowls have come and gone. But as you know, my bookie is all over NHL, NBA, baseball's right around the corner. There's only one more NFL game. But hit it hard at my bookie, and they'll have all kinds of different things there for you, too. But my bookie is your hookup for all your betting needs. Uh, you know, you can even deposit using Bitcoin. When do you need to tell me about Bitcoin? Because I don't know what the heck it is. It sounds like if I should have invested in it long ago and didn't. Uh, sign up AG today and get paid fast when you win. So, where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make money betting super the big Super Bowl game, you got to go to mybookie.ag. They're the only site I'd recommend. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out yourself. They have odds on every matchup as well as live in-game betting, which would be awesome for the Super Bowl as you're watching. That could be a blast. And obviously, we'll get to a lot more Super Bowl talk next week, by the way. But join now, and my bookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus, which is free money. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. If you're going to bet, the only place to do it is mybookie.ag. Um, I also didn't mention in that read there that they also have a very good um, app that I highly recommend. I've, I've used it on my phone quite a bit. So check out the uh, the MyBookie app as well. Joshua Silber asks, favorite sports movies? You guys aren't going to like me for this, but I don't think there's very many good football ones. And maybe I'm just too critical. Like I look at it and be like, that's not realistic. That's not how it would go. But obviously, baseball takes the cake. Major League's awesome. Bull Durham's awesome. Um, what am I missing? Slapshot was really good. When I was a kid, I loved Slapshot. Hilarious. Um, you know, what else am I missing here? I'm sure I'm missing several, but more of the, the comedies I would go with here, for sure. Jamie asks, Keenum, Bradford, Bridgewater, start bench slash cut trade. This leads me to th something I'm thinking about doing next week. I'm thinking about having a quarterback prediction and analyst show where I bring up every, almost like it's like two columns. Like on the right, I'm going to put every team that 
could be in the market for a legit quarterback. Not like, yeah, we might pick one up in the fifth round. Like, they need a quarterback. And then the left-hand column, I might put all the dudes that might change teams. Like, I'm not putting Drew Brees, but you get the idea. Like, these three would certainly be on here of the Vikes, and um, and the Vikings would certainly be in the right-hand category. And kind of mixing and matching, like, if I'm the Vikes, what would I do? And I think that's what you're asking me. And I know some people probably have a bad taste in their mouth with Keenum from the last game, and he came back to earth, and he wasn't what we thought he was, and you know, he is who we thought he was. I don't think that's true. I mean, I think that's putting way too much blame on one player for a team that got beat in all facets. I think Keenum had a really good uh, season, and I don't think it was all that fluky. It was a big enough sample size, and he did enough on his own. And like I've told you guys, it's not like Nick Foles or Bortles. So you know what, can Nick Foles change teams this year? He might. That Where the team was hiding their quarterback. I mean, Keenum's a professional quarterback that is running the show, and that's not the case for all of them. Um, I'll get these guys in a minute. But Bridgewater, I just sent a, t- a tweet last night. How do you sign him if you're the Cardinals? or You know, I mean, I almost feel like that there, there, there might not be a market for him like people think because it's just the injuries. Like, you don't know. I mean, I think the tweet I sent was, I have a hard time envisioning going anywhere but Minnesota or the Giants. And I only say the Giants because his offensive coordinator is now the head coach there and would be familiar with the situation. Otherwise, how do you invest in him without seeing him play in so long. I mean, let alone the injury. I mean, not you've doctors for that, that they would stamp him, yeah, he's fine. But you don't know what he is as a player now. And he was a developing player. This isn't if Aaron Rodgers missed two years even. I mean, like, you don't know what he was becoming if he would have been healthy. So I wonder if his market will be less than people think. I mean, I'm thinking he's a one-year deal. Like, if you're the Giants, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about in the show. Like, if you're the Giants... And the Jags offer you a third-round pick for Eli, and you get him off the books, and then you say, okay, I'm going to go sign Teddy because I'm familiar with him and use a second pick in the draft on a quarterback. Okay. Or if you're the Vikes, like this question is asked. What I've been saying all along, and let me get back to Bradford here. He's my favorite. Bradford's my favorite. If I had to line up with one dude, one game, who's healthy, Bradford, I think, is the best quarterback of these three. And Keenan would be second, Bridgewater would be third. I just don't know that, I mean, is Bradford built to handle NFL football? I mean, can he stay healthy? Can your doctors even tell you that? So I don't think you can invest heavily in him. And maybe he even falls out of the league. I I don't know. I mean, I I think he's a starting quarterback all day long, and apparently he's healthy now. Maybe they're fluky, and maybe he's healthy for the next five years and goes to Pro Bowls. I mean, I, I don't think that's crazy talk, but I think if I'm the Vikes, I keep Keenum and maybe even franchise him, which sounds crazy, but... You know, that's where they're at. They could use a three-technique type. They could use an offensive line supplement helper. Um, But overall, they don't have a lot of needs. So maybe you let Bridgewater and Bradford walk, keep Keenum even if it's on a franchise deal, and use a first or second round pick on a quarterback and then, you know, go from there. Or, like I said, if, if Bridgewater doesn't have a market, you do the same thing with Keenum. Bridgewater tests the market for a week or so and says, hey, can I come back to Minnesota on a one-year friendly deal for $4 million or whatever, $5 million, $6 million, whatever. And you go into the season with Keenum and Bridgewater. Maybe both of them are going to be free agents after the year again, but so be it. All right. 
Uh, Kevin Molina. Have you, I've seen speculation and rumors that the 49ers potentially looking to sign Ziggy Ansah and free agent. Would he fit schematically in their defensive scheme? Um, yeah, I mean, I think he'd be their Cliff Averill. You know what I mean? Like, they're not exactly a Seattle-type defense, but it's similar. I mean, that's originally how they were constructed. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think they'd be dropping him into coverage or anything like that. He's, I have a feeling he might get overpaid. And maybe I'll eat those words, you know, a year from now, and he may have 15 sacks. He's just hard to count on for what he's going to cost. But if you're the Niners, you got second most money in the league to spend. He's proven, although inconsistent. And with Thomas and those other first-round picks, you would think you'd be able to scheme him up to give you one-on-one on tackles and a fair amount. So, yeah, I don't have a big problem with that at all. I can live with that. All right, Brian Mullins asks, and this goes back to maybe that quarterback show I do next week, and we kind of touched on this. Are the Giants crazy if they don't take a quarterback at two? Assuming that they won't be picking that high again anytime soon, does that factor in at all, or is it just best player available no matter what? Thanks. Um, well, I've been really hard on Eli over the last two years, and I think I've been too hard on him, especially this year. I thought he played pretty well this year on second viewing and second thought. And without Odell, I don't think he's done. But you got a lot of time between now and the draft. And Jacksonville, for example, to me, would be a better team with Eli Manning right now than Blake Bortles. And maybe they'd be the best team in the league. Maybe they win in New England. You know what I mean? If he... He can orchestrate the offense. You don't have to hide your quarterback with him. And maybe he doesn't make big-time throws as much, but he's not—he's going to handle everything at the line of scrimmage and all those things. So if Jacksonville offers you something for Eli at this stage of the game and you can get that money off your books, then I think you make that deal, assuming the compensation's reasonable. But I also don't think it's insane, like the Steelers, like the Chargers, to say, we think Eli can be a, an, an NFL starting quarterback the next two or three years and therefore we're not going to take quarterback at two and obviously the key here is you don't take quarterback just to take a quarterback I mean if you love one I think you take them no matter what because of Eli's age and you're right I don't think the Giants are going to be picking in the top five perennially I would think that they'll bounce back Odell returns defense to me is still should be good um, so I wouldn't kill them if they did. And you see, and you still have Davis Webb, who I'm not high on, but I wasn't high on coming out of school, but at least you've what, use a third round pick on the guy. If you went in next year with say Eli Webb and maybe Bridgewater or somebody like that, some other dude that's out there that's on the cheap, I wouldn't kill them. And you take at number two, you move back to number nine. You take the best offensive tackle on the board and you pick up a future second and that team's second or third and one of them ends up being Nick Chubb or, you know, I'm just totally spitballing, but it's not like they don't have needs that if you moved back from two, there's things you could address, particularly offensive line. So... You know, that would be a more expensive way of going about things. And I certainly wouldn't want to say, Rosen or Darnold, you're the guy. 
with Geno Smith and Webb, and that's all you got. You know, like I, I want some sort of veteran, whether it's Eli or someone else. Basically, to answer your question, I do think it now's the time to do it. But you better love them. And right now, I don't love a quarterback at two. And maybe I will in time, but I don't at the moment. Um, and therefore, I think you can manipulate things and live with Eli. And I know that's not as exciting, but the, I mean, you don't take a guy that's not going to be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go Pats. He's always asking questions. Hey, Matt, now that the Pats are making their eighth Super Bowl appearance since 2001, how do you think they measure up against the other Super Bowl-era dynasties, Niners, Steelers, Cowboys, all you know, Packers, obviously? Where do they fit in the pecking order of greatness? Um, I think if you look, first of all, I think they're number one. I think what they've done since 2000, the Brady, you know, Belichick era, is the most impressive run by any team in the history of the game. And here's why I say that. But it's different. And here's why I say it. Because it's it's a longer stretch. I mean, since 2001. It's 2018, folks. Um, and it's sustained excellence and all the AFC Championship games. But it's a much different situation, especially than the Steelers or the Packers. Because there's only really two constants where... Look at all the look at all the Packer Hall of Famers from Star to Horning and all the defensive players. Nobody was you know, and the Steelers the exact same way that Joe Green's contract didn't come up in 1976, and you had to resign him. Or here's an example: Lynn Swan, Jack Lambert, John Stallworth, and Mike Webster were all drafted in the same draft, which to me is the best draft that's ever happened. Well, and if that happened today. Three of those four, Swan was a first-round pick. You'd pick up his option because he's pretty good. Three of those dudes would be free agents at the same time. You know, like, should we sign Webby or Lambert or Stallworth? You know, like, you're going to lose somebody. And that's what's happened to the Packers is they've had to make much more difficult personnel decisions over this stretch. You know, and obviously they're the only constants are the quarterback and the coach, which are awesome. But to me, and the league's designed different now, you know, where – they want parity. I mean, there's a lot more advantages, although the, the Browns aren't. Jacksonville is a good example. If you're low, if you're down low enough, and you have a couple really good drafts, and you have all that cap space, you can build a great roster quickly. Where the expansion Bucks or you know who were the worst teams in the league in the '70s, whoever they were, or like the Cardinals for so long, or the Bengals for so long. When you're down, you're down, man. I mean, to go catch. The Steelers in the AFC North, if you were the Bengals in 1975, holy smokes, is that a climb? You know, where it's easier today. You know, you see first to worst, or, you know, worst to first much quicker, and there's much more at your fingertips to get better. And the Dolphins and the Jets and the Bills haven't done a great job of doing that. But that's not the Patriots' fault. I mean, to me, this run of excellence, and I guess the Niners and Cowboys are somewhere in between. That the Cowboys went and got Charles Haley from the Niners, I mean, the Hall of Fame defensive end. That's gigantic. And he could have went to Cleveland. He could have went to the Bears or somewhere different. Um, you know, Dion changed teams during those times. You know, that's gigantic. But there wasn't nearly as much player movement. And the Cowboys, you know, sustained excellence was 
not long enough. I mean, considering how good they were, too. Um, they kind of screwed that up. I mean, the Niners were pretty darn impressive, too. When you go even past Montana through the young era, that's an awesome team for a long time. You know, like the Steelers were really only great for six, seven, eight years. You know, and they won four out of six. But that first year, they kind of came from nowhere. No one was picking them to win in the preseason if there was such a thing back then. And then by the early 80s, they had fizzled out, you know. And the, the Packers, I think, were similar, but, you know, they – it's not like this where the Patriots, all of us pick the same team to win the Super Bowl every year. I mean, I've been doing this. I was at ESPN for 10 years, and this is my the finishing up my second season since being there. So I've been an, an NFL analyst for 12 years. And my hunch is in the preseason, I've picked the Patriots to go to the playoffs 12 years in a row, to win their division 12 years in a row, to pick up, uh, you know, to, to go to the Super Bowl, half that time, to win the Super Bowl half that time, you know, so it's crazy. Um, by the way, that was a text from my man Ross Tucker asked me to come on his show. And that'd be, might have to tell him yes on that. Depends on the situation. So there you go. Um, Lee Wisniewski asked Marianne or Ginger. I'm going to go with you. These are a little bef- a little behind my time. I'm, I'm 44 here, Lee. And, uh, those were one of those shows like the Jeffersons and the Brady Bunch that when you were home sick, you'd watch. Gilligan's Island we're talking about here for you younger folks. Um, I think I'd go with Ginger, but not by leaps and bounds. There's a strong case for, for either. So, good show, folks. Um, we will, tomorrow is going to be all about Senior Bowl. We have a really good guest. I'm going to unleash on you. And we will be talking Senior Bowl Heavily, you know, kind of a review, review of practices. You know, Friday, there isn't much to go on, walkthroughs and stuff like that. So those three practices were all the goodies came from. All right, over and out. See you.